Hello everyone and welcome back to the platform. This is the Station House audio series. We're streaming on the Spotify and we are back with Larry Broadbent. Uh, Larry, uh, last time we left Larry, uh, Larry was uh, stuck on a baggage cart outside the Queso Station in, in St. Thomas and he was hanging out eating fish and chips instead of doing his math homework. He was up in BX Tower uh, uh, pulling levers and OSing passenger trains uh, you know, that math homework still hasn't been done, Larry. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a price to pay for that at some point, young man. Haven't found it yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're back with Larry. So, Larry, um, thanks again for, for doing this and, and having me in into your home uh, for, for a chat. Um, you tell me now that there's a model railroad in the basement here. Um, we'll have to check that out uh, mm-hmm. at some point before I go. When we last left you, you were in the dispatching office in St. Thomas. You're upstairs in the station with the dispatchers. And so this eventually led to a career with Penn Central um, and then eventually Conrail. So tell us, walk us through that transition from hanging out in the DS office to getting a job offer. Well, because uh, I've been around the railway so often as a kid, everybody knew me. I basically could go anywhere I wanted to go. And uh, as you said on the earlier podcast, I'm one of those engine guys. So <laughs> It's a pandemic. They're, every, yeah. they're everywhere, Larry. You're yeah, in good so, company. So the great big locomotive shop across the, the tracks kind of drew me over there, uh, so I, which was actually good because it was closer to where I lived. I, I could be there in about five minutes. Uh, so uh, I started uh, hanging around there. Uh, I, there again, I, I got to know the after. I always found the afternoon shifts for the friendly, the friendly people. You know, there's no white shirts around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> the afternoon shifts. That's that's where that's everybody I knew got close to was an uh, afternoon guy. But anyway, so uh, I got to know the uh, the afternoon shift uh, crew, which were three guys. There'd be uh, Hal Calvert, an electrician, Bill Langdon, the machinist, and Earl Baker, uh, laborer. And uh, Hal Calvert, especially, was a very, very friendly guy. I, I still uh, am friends with uh, on Facebook with his daughter. Started hanging around there with him anyway. Got to know them. Uh, they invited me in the in the, the shop when they'd see me hanging around outside. Hal come out and say, "Well, you come in." And he'd show me around the shop. No safety boots. No, no, no nothing. No, nothing. No, nothing. No, just yeah. come on in. Come on in. Yeah, because uh, you know, when they weren't working, they usually sat around the the electrician's table. The three of them had chairs there and. So I got to know them and smoothed my, my way in, into into the shop, which I was good at, <laughs> I got to admit. And then, uh, uh, of course, I got to know different trades there. I would even uh, would start showing up there on the, the day shift. How old are you now at this point? Uh, oh, this would be 74. So I'd be 19, 18 or 19. Yeah. So you're an employable age. Yeah, I'm just getting to that yeah. employable age. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to know a carman named uh, Ron Rowe, who was a, uh, the, wood, the woodworker carpenter. He was the, uh, the, the carpenter on the, on the uh, car department. 
got and he was on the day shift i finally gra graduated people knew me enough that i could start hanging around there on the day shift the mass mechanic he knew me everybody knew me nobody bothered me larry could go anywhere it was great times like let's just say it wouldn't happen now it's a different world yeah. and i think a lot of our younger listeners have a hard time just blow their mind blow their mind have yeah. a hard time identifying with us yeah like i, I often say i wouldn't have my career on the railway would have never happened today because you would have got kicked off the property. And... Well, it just sounds like it just organically happened yeah. from you just being a friendly guy. and Yeah, and getting to know these, these guys. And taking and... an interest in their yeah. job. Yeah, listening to them, what they had to say, not not being too yakky or annoying. And uh, so, anyways, I got to know Ron Rowe. He was on the day shift in the, the, the wood shop. And, of course, now now I got to know all the, the carmen that were coming in there. I got friends with them. And uh, I, I was still seeing my buddies on the afternoon shift. Um, and uh, funny thing, when you're on the uh, on the afternoon shift in the shop, the uh, the east local and the west local train crews come into the shop to sign in. Oh, they out, signed and, in at the and, shop and get in their locomotives ah, and got for locomotives. Okay. So guess what? Larry got to know all the all the uh, east and west local train crews. Here, here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. And uh, I guess. I got to be really good friends with the engineer on the uh, the East Local, uh, Sam Baker, and uh, that that ran from usually left town about eight o'clock, would get back about four o'clock in the morning, and uh, so he invited me to go for a ride. I thought, all right, so uh, off I get and I go for a ride on the Hagersville turn. Went 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 well. Got to be good real good friends with Sam, and basically it, it turned into. Anytime I wanted to ride the, the East Local, I just show up <laughs> and hop hop on the rear unit, and away I'd go. You I'd, knew what time they were called for. Yeah, yeah, so they were called around eight eight o'clock. Show up. I even took friends with me for a ride. <laughs> did you uh, Did you always ride the head end? Did uh, you ever ride the tail end? Usually the head end because I'm an engine guy. Engine guy. <laughs> yeah, world's full of them. But I I, I did I think I, yeah I, I did ride the tail end once. Which was kind of fun, I, I gotta admit. But in, anyways, uh, I, I even took my, my father with me one time. It was that free and open. Larry, don't tell anybody, but there's actually more to a freight train than the power. <laughs> yeah, there's don't, cars. Don't tell anybody. There's cars behind there. And there used to be a caboose, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like cabooses. <laughs> wow, all those trips and you rode the tail end one time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I don't know. There, there, there's something about... Sitting in that lo locomotive when you when you go on under the the road bridge at the uh, at the ball, which is the east end of the yard, and uh, that's where they'd open them up, you know, throttle eight and go Must charge. Have sounded charge, terrific. Yeah, and charging out, out of the yard there and yeah. hear them take transition and be going across the countryside about you know eight or nine o'clock at night. And we're talking about a, a Jeep Seven or Jeep Nine. Yeah, yeah. Typically. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great. I, I really enjoyed that. Single unit on the no locals? no usually two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, at how, least two. How many cars would be on uh, oh, on that East Local probably typically? Probably 50. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. it used to be. When they come back with a similar amount? Yeah. 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 And we need to roll back in about uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. And, my, and my, my parents were very good. Of course, I was older then. But all through all this time, my, my parents were not, I can't say they were bad parents, but they, they weren't worried about me. If they wanted me, they go, well, where's Larry? Oh, be up at the railroad. And they, they always knew where they could find me. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I got to know the train crew. And I got, I knew the carman. I knew the master mechanic. 
the people in the shop. There was nobody I didn't know around there. And uh, about this this time, there, there would be there was uh, issues with with a quote with uh, rolling stock. I actually rolling stock, not a locomotive. That's that stuff behind the engines. Behind, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, <laughs> what that they had, what they they started, what they called an FRA project, where every car had to be inspected and had that that new style uh, placard put on the side of the black box. The COTS panel, yeah, consolidated panel. stencil. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's that's when that started. In '74. Yeah, then? yeah, that'd yeah. be about '74. Yeah, and. Uh, it's Cots, part, Cots stands for clean oil, oil test, test and stencil. stencil. Yeah. yeah, but there, this was it had that it had the build date, the repack date, all the information was consolidated in one box. Yeah, but uh, as part of that project, every car had to be jacked up, and the, the trucks had to be taken out, had to scrape all the all the dirt off the wheels and stuff, check everything for cracks, any any problems, and then put it back down, put that stencil on it. And uh, that's what I got. They were going to hire half a dozen guys for the for what they call the FRA project, and that's what they called it. Yeah, every car on every railroad. Yeah, well, as far as, far as I as I know. Yeah. And uh, but w what we were doing mainly were the uh, were, were those green X Auto box cars, and and we did a lot of hopper cars. But anyways, they they hired six six people. Did you even have to apply? No, no, no. You probably knew the guy to talk to. Yeah, I, I never made an application. Like, how did this work? Like, tell me how you got hired. Like, what actually happened? You found Basically, out Basically, just that. You um, found out about the positions? Found, found out about it. I, I, I talked to the master mechanic and the guys around there. And next thing I know, uh, I got a phone call. said, come on, come on down. And I was hired. And, like, they hired six, six people. Like, no interview? Six. No, no. No well, medical, no, no paperwork. I, I did have to have a medical, medical. sooner or later before okay. I started. It was a simple medical. It was just local doctors go up there and get your blood pressure checked and away you go. But um, they hired six, I think it was six of us. And I was the, I didn't get hired first. There was one person that was a son of uh, <laughs> of, of the car foreman assistant. Yeah. He, he got in ahead of me, but I got in, I was the next one. So that worked out well for me. Or else I wouldn't have been working there because everybody else got laid off sooner or later. But I managed just to stay ahead of the uh, the, the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. Yeah. So yeah. I started doing that. So that's a really interesting transition point. You go from fish and chips with Mel, the WX Tower guy, or BX Tower. Sorry, yeah. B BX. BX. Not, I don't want to say WX. WX is in Welland. Yeah, BX Tower. Uh, same railroad, different tower. Right. You're having fish and chips with Mel and pulling the rods and levers. Then you're in the dispatching office. Then you go to the south side of the tracks to the big sprawling shop complex. And you become buddies with the guys on afternoons. Mm -hmm. Then you weasel into the day shift. Yeah. Now you're riding the east local. <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, this FRA project comes out where they're going to put the consolidated stencils on the cars. And you're the second guy hired for the job with really no paperwork and an eventual medical. Yeah. You're in like Flynn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is 74? Yep. What time of year? Do you remember? Uh, May. May 74. Larry's employed with the Penn Central. Getting my first my first paycheck for hanging around where you hang around anyway. Well, they always say if you enjoy what you do, it never feels like a job. No, it's true. And that's 
most of my my life I've been lucky that feel so like. walk us through those early days if uh, sort of what the training involved if any um, sort <laughs> you of said your, it. <laughs> yeah if any yeah. Um, and and sort of your your hours like how long your shift was like what do you remember about those early days doing those consolidated stencils maybe cars you worked on and things you learned a lot of uh, as I say a lot of them were what they called Ford glass cars because they used to haul glass out of the the plant in Montrose Mont used to have a glass plant down there. Okay. And they were, they were a big uh, green double door box cars, I think 60 footers. And Were these the high cube cars? No, no. These were just regular yeah. height box cars with yeah. 60 feet double door. Yeah. 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 A lot Inspecting of equipment them. would still be in New York Central paint. Yeah. 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 There was New York and, and Penn and Penn Central. Of course, that, there was no Conrail at that, at that time. So they were green. Yeah, but they were starting to bite. By 74, there would have been Penn Central, like obviously Penn Central yeah. stuff now as yeah, well. Yeah, and still yeah. some New York Central around. So what did the training involve? It's day one, Larry shows up, he's on. He's now on the on the clock, you're on the payroll. What do well, they have you doing? It was it was all on, on, on the job training. I didn't know how to weld. Uh, I didn't know how to use a cutting torch. <laughs> I or, just knew railroads and I knew a lot of people. Go over there and old Bruce will show you how to use yeah. the torch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they trained for... I, usually I worked with an older guy. Wasn't old, they're mostly old guys there, right? Because uh, they were all in their 50s. Cause they hadn't hired anybody. So you're the kid. Yeah, so I was one, one of the kids. I was yeah. like 19 years old or whatever. And uh, so... The, I, I was, there was a couple guys that I knew pretty, pretty well from being hanging around there. Uh, Bruce Welch and Bert, Bert Rennie, they sort of took me under their, uh, their wing and showed me how to weld and cut. And one of my, one of my first jobs that I really got into, and I, I, I hate to admit it, but I really enjoyed it, was uh, at that, that time there was a lot of old uh, queso equipment around, Canada Southern flat cars, and uh, they, they they were getting rid of them, so they needed them cut up. So I learned how to cut up cars, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Using a cutting torch and yeah, cutting them up. It's kind of sort of like a, I don't know, it's like being paid to be a vandal. <laughs> yeah. No, I can I can I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I Penn Central I, being notoriously uh, hard up for money, uh, did they salvage what they could off of those cars? Like not much. No, like coupler knuckles and things uh, like that. No. Nah. No, because that stuff was all beat. It was all beat up. Even yeah. the trucks are probably all yeah, okay. friction bearing, obsolete. And and bearing. Yeah, we'd yeah. we'd have to. We actually would have to uh, uh, take our take our cutting torch on the bearings and put a big gouge in the bearings because the scrapyard would come and pick them up, and they didn't want them to be used. So uh, we had to destroy the bearings. Yeah, but I, that was one of the first things I, I did after, because I was one of the senior guys, senior new, new guys. I uh, had opportunities to do different things because they say they, they needed somebody to fill in for holiday relief in the the front yard as a car inspector. I I would sign up for anything, anything that involved learning something because I just loved it, learning stuff like that. So I got to be a car inspector. So I learned to be, and I worked midnights a lot as, as a car inspector. So I was holiday relief. I filled in for all, all, all the holiday jobs. They, they, uh, the guy in the air brake room who tested uh, the AV brake valves. He'd go on holidays. So before he went, I went up and worked for him for a month to learn how to 
test AB brake valves. Did you take this upon yourself to learn these other crafts or were you directed by management to do this? Well, when I was, when I applied for the holiday relief job, that was, they, it was directly, like I had to learn it. I see. But, but they paid me like I was being paid to, to learn somebody else's craft. Yeah. 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 So that, that gave me sort of like a jack of all trades, master exactly. of none. And that makes you, uh, that increases your value yeah. there because now you're cross-trained. Yeah, I, I, can, I can be front yard inspector. I can I can do test air brakes. I, I worked on the air brake job on the rip track where we actually took the valves and the pistons out and did the COTS inspection with the air brake tester. And then, as I say, then I went into the air brake room that was in the shop where we take the valves all apart. Re renew them, put them all back together, test them on a big, big rack. And so yeah, it was it was uh, really good for learning. When you first started, were you stuff. working nights? Uh, the car department on the rip track was always days, but as soon as I went to the yard as an inspector, yeah, I, I was working afternoons and, and nights. Yeah, the senior guys would hold the day. Well, there there the was day. no uh, day guys because if they needed somebody, they just bring somebody over from the rip track. I see. Okay. From that shift. Because I know in the railroad, everything's seniority driven. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of times the senior guys will hold the better hours, right? They'll, yeah. they'll hold the day job. But there was a, like one guy named Smokey Miko. He just loved Smokey Miko. Smokey Miko, eh? Isn't that? There, there's a name. So he uh, he always worked worked, worked midnights because he liked it. And he had a an auction. He was an auctioneer and he had an auction business. So that would let, so he could work on his in the daytime the auctioneer smoky miko <laughs> yeah, what a great name. isn't that trustworthy yeah i'm gonna buy something off smoky miko what a great what a great name it does sound like a bit of a guy that would sell you a ham sandwich out of a trench coat right? <laughs> yeah so so you're you're in the you're in the shop it's 74 it's penn central so in the first couple of years uh that you were there you really got around to the different crafts yeah being as a holiday relief guy and the I'm almost the most senior of the new guys. I uh, and I say guys because back then there was no women. Oh, it was very much the old boys. <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, they needed a uh, somebody to train as a fireman on the uh, steam derrick. Well, that's what Larry had worked for ten years on a steam locomotive at uh, Pinafore Park. So uh, I immediately was offered that of that job and. And so a derrick, for those who aren't uh, familiar, a derrick is is the is the wreck crane. Yeah. That's the wreck outfit that goes out to derailment. The big, uh, so I think, one hundred fifty ton crane probably is, would be. Do you remember who who made that crane? Like was it a Basiris Erie or? Yeah, I think so. Or a Browning? No. I think it's I, I think it was Basiris Erie. Yeah. It was the oval. Yeah, it's Basiris. Which I might I might, I might actually have pieces of that down the basement. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this job now being a, a fireman on the, i mean obviously they don't use hopefully you don't need the derrick at all but as we know things happen yeah i was i, I was out on it three times three times yeah once to uh the, the biggest one was down at uh comber this is where that leamington branch yeah to the heinz plant uh met the main yeah. line there was three times i was out on it but they were all small derailments it was like uh it was usually a tank car. Really? Yeah. Tank cars were notorious back in the friction bearing days for having hot boxes because when you think of a tank car, the journal boxes are exposed to the weather. Whereas under a box car, 
they're hidden. They're, the, the rain so and stuff the, can't get at them. And the sun would beat on them. Yeah, yeah. There. Mainly water, like, you know, because water would get in. And so uh, two of the, the derailments I had were tank cars. One was at Comber, and the other one was at Springfield. Were they pretty serious? Like, were they out in the rhubarb, or were no. they just like a wheel off? No, it was it was, uh, it was amazing. The uh, the one at Springfield, I remember, it was the simplest one. It was uh, the wheel actually, Journal burned off the... The wheel flew out because it was a trailing wheel flew out from under the under the car, and so the truck frame was going across the across the ties, and that was all all that happened. They stopped the, the train and the it's sitting there. And the, the the loose wheel was was gone in the field. Oh, it was gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, everything the, the, the <laughs> other end was still on the track, so we just had to come down there with the derrick, lift it up, pull up the truck, put in a wreck truck under it. And, bring it back yeah what did the derrick outfit consist of back when you were on the fireman so you'd have the crane you'd have a tender a couple flat water car, car. Yeah. uh there was a diner baggage car uh, there'd be cars with trucks on them there was cars with a panel track panel and so when you went out to a call would you take the whole deal yeah the whole thing went as one one yeah usually one yeah I, I i think i it's possible they, they might not have taken the track panels for these ones but uh, most of it, like the, the, the important part was the uh, diner, baggage car, water cistern car, and the, the, the derrick. They, yeah. they definitely had to go. Had great, great meals in the dining car. Did the, yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. Did, did the derrick, did, the, did the, the steam derrick have its own locomotive power to power all of that? Or would you be towed out with an engine? Oh, we'd be towed out with an engine. Yeah, okay. So they'd tow you out with, because those cranes can move, but usually a flat car or two, right? And they're... You're not going to move all that down no, the track, no, and no. not very fast. No, they're just meant for shuffling around a little bit, but not yeah. for pulling much. So there'd so there'd be an actual uh, train crew, yeah, that would take you out, and then there was the derrick crew that actually that were on the on the derrick while we were traveling. Derrick. We were building up steam. Yeah, getting the getting it going. And then you've got all your outriggers and your blocking and all that stuff. Yeah, you've yeah. Got to set up. I didn't uh, miss having to do that. Yeah, that's a lot of slugging. Yeah, like that's, I was. I was lucky. I was up, up, up in the fire in the boiler. Yeah. There yeah. again, because I was a sen- almost a senior guy of the, the senior new guy. Yeah, like that <laughs> huge difference, man. <laughs> Larry was the only guy in the railway that was there for three months with his own parking space. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was extremely lucky to be very important. <laughs> the letterhead had Larry's name on it. Se- senior new guy at the shop. Only by one. One yeah. guy snuck in ahead of me. <laughs> Why is a company Christmas card signed by Larry? <laughs> Did you enjoy that uh, overall, though? You must oh, have enjoyed yeah. the experience of oh, being definitely. on the derrick. Yeah. That's a side of railroading that can be pretty grim, especially if there's injury or loss of life uh, involved. But uh, when it's something as simple as uh, replacing a, a truck on a tank car, that's not too bad. No, no, all my all my uh, my trips were simple trips like that. Yeah, it was it was shortly after that when I had had left, went to the locomotive shop. That that's when they had their big big wreck at, uh, the, at the the Grand River. Where they put up a whole like CNO must put about like ten cars right into the Grand River. That was a huge wreck. Wow! Did, but I, I wasn't involved that one because by that time I was did those they, engines. Yeah. Did they did they use Penn Central's uh, Derrick for that, or did they have their own outfit in St. Thomas, the CNO? No, it was, it was always Penn Central's. But uh, now sometimes CNO would come over and help. They, I see. There was oftentimes they were both. Because at the Grand River, it would be their their train, but your track. Yeah, 
their their Derek didn't come there. I think their I think the T H and B Derek did come. We we worked from the west end and probably the CN or T H. They had another Derek from the east end. Do you remember what year that would have been roughly? Uh, was it before you went locomotive? No, it was after. That, that's why I wasn't involved with it because I was oh, in okay. the shop. You know, I, I get all my, my dates when I look yeah. at my pictures. Like 77 maybe, 76? Probably later. Probably later. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Okay, so you're in the car department and uh, you're, you're being cross-trained on holiday relief. You're checking air brake systems. Now you're the, um, you have this love of steam and now you get to be the, the fireman on the, on the derrick. Um, something pretty major happened in the spring of 1976. Conrail. Oh yeah, Conrail. What do you remember about the switchover? Was it really a big deal, or just different jugs of paint, different barrels of paint? Uh, yeah, it wasn't really wasn't much of a. Uh, we didn't notice a lot of a lot of difference. Was there any personnel changes? No, maybe a uh, master mechanic might have changed, but they, they always cycled the master mechanics through. We you only had a master mechanic for a couple of years. It was like they were always moving them around, and. Uh, so that wasn't necessarily a Conrail thing. It just might have been yeah, it might shuffling have just of the time. Day. Yeah, about the only uh, thing that the, the the first thing that happened with Conrail is that we got uh, instead of uh, Brunswick green paint, all of a sudden we got barrels of uh, forty-five gallon barrels of Conrail blue arrive at the shop. Conrail blue. And what 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 a switch go from you know Brunswick green, which everybody thinks is black. Yeah. The Conrail Blue is like, wow. How did you guys refer to the uh, the iconic uh, Conrail logo? Did you have a name for it in the shop? No. Because today, today rail fans, modelers refer to it as the can opener. Yeah. It's sort of a colloquial term that, yeah. that's used. Was that ever officially used Never. by anybody? Never heard that name. Is that right? No. Funny how these names sort of come, yeah. come from the outside world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the Penn Central, the... Mating worms. The mating worms. Mating worms. But yeah. No, it was just. But you never know. heard that on the job. Never. Just, yeah. I think that I think that came along, probably after Conrail was gone. <laughs> now I referenced uh, to the audience before that you are a model railroader. Uh, you have an interesting story about Conrail Blue. Tell us about that. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, I was as a model railroader. I also tinkered with painting my own locomotives with a badger air, airbrush. I saw these 45-gallon drums of Conrail paint, and b before that, a, a Conrail locomotive in a model was like pretty unheard of. I'd seen some of my my friends, buddies that I, I knew from the Dundas, used to hang around at Dundas Hobbies in London. That was the, the local go-to hobby shop. I, I saw a couple of them had done Conrail engines, and I thought, oh, that's very nice looking. And anyways, we, we got this paint. And I thought, well, they came in big drums, right? Forty-five gallon drums. Big drums of yeah. Conrail blue. Yeah, forty-five gallon drums. So I uh, took the bung out of one of them to to, to look at the paint. And I thought, oh, well, that's that definitely blue in there. Stuck a stick in there and stirred it all up. And I got a little an oil sample bottle actually. Stuck it down in the in the paint and I grabbed a oil sample bottle full of this Conrail blue. How much would that be roughly? Oh, that'd be like a large coffee cup or a liter. Oh, probably about uh, four ounces. Four ounces, okay. Just a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Baby food jar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I took it home, and I thought, well, I, I wonder if I can spray this stuff with my, my air airbrush. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I had to thin thin it down pretty good, which are thinners I got from Conrail with the regular Dulux thimmer, thinners or whatever. Conrail thinner. Yeah. Conrail, Conrail paint, paint right out of the company barrel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just mixed it all up. 
put it in my, my, my Badger airbrush, tried spraying it. Yeah, it sprayed great. It even had a, that Conrail blue smell. It has a unmistakable smell anyway. So I, I, I make up this GP7 Atheron locomotive, paint it all up. But at this time you could get Conrail decals. On the GP7s you had to use caboose decals, mm -hmm. yeah. the right size. Painted it all up, thought it looked really good. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm gonna take this to the hobby shop and show show this off. So I, on a Saturday, I forward see my buddies at the hobby shop. I, hey, look what I got. I made, I've got this kind of real locomotive. I made it up. And they're looking it over and they go, oh, no, no, no. That's all the wrong color. That's nowhere near the, the right color for, for Conrail blue. And I go, oh, really? No, 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 it's, it's, it's way too dark. I go, well, you know, it, it, it came out of the barrel at the shop there that we're using the paint our locomotive. So I think it's pretty close. <laughs> You tried, Larry. Yeah. You tried your best. Used the company thinner. Yeah. Used the company paint. Uh, it's still wrong. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's well, always somebody that well, knows. Oh yes. Oh yeah. The 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 paint purists. You gotta love them. Yeah. I, I, uh, I I've been done as somebody who who does some painting myself. I'm not a prolific painter by any means, but I I do like doing some painting and. We have the same sort of discussions around CP's Action Red. Mm -hmm. There's. Uh, I mean, it's not as it, they're not as rabid as the you know what color is Pennsylvania black or green or whatever. I mean, or whether it's black or green, Brunswick not, green or yeah, it's not as rabid as that argument. But uh, the CP Action Red guys, there are guys who will fight to the death over what is Action Red, and you know, I stopped caring a long time ago. I learned that close enough is good enough. Yeah, and once you weather it, yeah, and its sun fades and everything else. Yeah, the, mean, the, yeah, the colors change so much. Absolutely. From, uh, from... But I, I just wanted our audience to, to hear that story about uh, about the Conrail, the Conrail blue. Right <laughs> the out of the barrel and it's still wrong. Conrail blue, that was the wrong color. Yeah. Well, Dundas Hobbies may be gone, but you know, the good news, Larry, is today we have a whole panel of experts. It's called the internet. Yeah. So if you want to find out everything you've ever done wrong, just take a picture of it and put it online. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah, a friend of mine calls it the advice. <laughs> I collect collectively known as the advice, and I, 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 love that. That's a that's a great story. So you you mentioned something there that the 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 barrel of blue paint had a distinct smell. Yeah, uh, Conroe like uh, uh, Brunswick Green had a smell, and uh, Conroe Blue had a completely different smell to it. Did it smell like government money? <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a sweeter smell and. Uh, I like the smell of it actually, and we smelt a lot of it around the shop. There. Do you still have some? Uh, no, no. Got any Conrail I, blue here? Not, no. no. I've, I've got Conrail blue applied to things, but not, not a not, little sample. I, I don't know. Anywhere? No, I don't have any real paint left. Something I've always been fascinated by is, and I, I know, I know you can only speak to your experience, and you can only um, speak to what happened at the at the shop in St. Thomas. How was it decided? whether something would be a piece of equipment would be patched or it would be a complete repaint because let's face it con the conrail um livery is nowhere near penn central or new york central livery mm -hmm. like it's complete it's a complete paradigm shift yeah. so how was that determined when something either just got patched out or it got completely repainted well our locomotives we had uh so I guess 16 locomotives, seven sevens and nine nines. Yeah, 16 locomotives assigned to uh, Canada, to our shop there in St. Thomas. And they, they, they were, believe it or not, on a maintenance schedule. Uh, like the 92 day thing? Well, we, we had the, what we called monthlies, 
quarterly, semi-annuals, annuals, biannuals. Okay. And then we had what we call a, an I.O., an in, intermediate overhaul, that uh, was usually five years. And that, and that was, uh, when, when we did that, we would bring it in, we, we'd take the hood off, we'd take the engine out, the generator out, uh, clean all the dirt out of it, uh, do any wiring, any repairs that needed to be done. Had a rebuilt generator, a rebuilt engine, and a new paint job. So every five years, technically, they were supposed to get, to get in for this. So it was just simply a matter of when Conrail took over, they wanted everything patched out to Conrail's ASAP, but uh, the ones that were in for overhauling, I.O. inspection, they would get the the full-blown Conrail So the, the paint job was part of the deal? Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then if, if we had an engine, if we had a failure, say an engine blew a generator or something major, uh, and it wasn't in for an I.O., then quite often they would get a the, the full-blown paint job. So that was that was how it was. They were basically chose. They were either in due for an overhaul, or else they had a big enough failure that they were going to be shopped for a while. So then they paint them. What was the breakdown of the models of the sixteen locomotives? We had seven GP7s, nine GP9s, seven sevens, nine yeah, nines, yeah. and the, the sevens came from CNO. Okay, and the nines would have been central engines. They were brand new yeah. from London. And then what about um, freight equipment? Uh, cabooses, uh, freight equipment. Was any of was was any of that ever painted at St. Thomas, or was it just oh, engines? No, I'll, I'll, no, we did all the cabooses on the same sort of part of their maintenance schedule. Yeah, well, they didn't have the same kind of a maintenance schedule. They just uh, got done when the car department had time to like they would uh, do some repairs on them, and uh, when the, the the painter had uh, some free time, you had a designated. They got painter. painted quicker. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be Charlie Smith, and he. Uh, he was a painter at uh, GMD. Okay, that's where he started painting. He started at London uh, Gen- General Motors Diesel in London and came came yeah. down there. Yeah. So where did they where did they paint? Uh, I've been in that building. Did they have a closed off uh, <laughs> no. paint uh, booth? I, I, I'm surprised I'm still alive. But yeah, they just <laughs> just just sprayer. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever it sat, or did yeah. they have a particular bay that well, they tried it, to? Well, it was usually uh, in the the bay where we did the intermediate overhauls, but. It was just, but sometimes it was one track over. It didn't really matter. Like the, the cabooses could be, they were usually painted down at the other end of the shop. Uh, there, there was never any, any enclosure. Isn't that spray away? And no, there was no. Uh, the painter had protection, but nobody else did. There was no, uh, no, no, no hearing protection. No yeah. ventilator. No HEPA filters. No, no, that no, stuff. no. Just, just spray. Yeah. A lot of guys were sneezing Conrail blue, blue for, yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd go home, blow, blow your nose, it'd be blue. Yeah. The, when they put the Conrail um, lettering on, uh, what we what today we call the can opener and so on, was that was that um, stuck on like vinyl or was that was that stenciled and painted on the white parts? No, it was stuck on. Yeah, so it was either of heavy vinyl yeah, or something Yeah, it like was that. 3M. The, the same thing they use on the new locomotives. Okay. Same sort of a deal. So that whole, the two white lines and the C, that was all that was stick, all on. stick on. Yeah, and yeah. then you stuck on. It was pretty uh, pretty attention-grabbing. It must have been when, when that blue first came out. Oh, yeah. Big you know, shock when you're, because New York Central, black, Brunswick Green. Yeah, it's Brunswick. Uh, well, black, I don't Don't know. start any fights, yeah. Larry. <laughs> New York Central <laughs> might have been black. I don't know. But, Penn, but uh, the Penn Central was definitely Brunswick Green. Yeah. And uh, 
And then this this bright blue yeah, comes like, out with white white graphics. And actually, it was it was so crazy. It was we thought the paint was so crazy bright. We thought that'll never stand up. So um, this is another uh, bit of uh, urban lore, a <laughs> legend about about our shop in St. Thomas. So uh, we got the the paint before we got the the painting diagrams, and before we got the the decals. Actually, the paint showed up first. So everybody, we were like, well, that's, we've got to get this on something. So uh, they, they painted the 7436, which just had to be coming out from an overhaul. So uh, we didn't know how to paint it. This, is, no a, this is a GP? Uh, GP9. GP9, okay. So uh, we're, we're looking, we, we had uh, pictures or just general ideas what they wanted, but no official diagrams. And we were looking, this this blue blue paint, it's not going to stand up around the battery boxes and stuff because the ads is from the batteries. It's not going to be right. So we uh, decided to paint the battery boxes in Brunswick green, like the, the ender frame. It's supposed to be in Brunswick green or black. But we thought, well, we'll, we'll, we'll take it up and include the battery boxes. So we did that. So the, that's where the, the Canadian paint job, Conroe paint job come from, which is quite quite famous now. Pretty rare. Was that only applied to that one locomotive? No, it was applied to about three or four. And then the diagram showed up. Yeah, well, even when the, when the diagram showed up, we we ignored them. Because <laughs> in Canada, we, we sort of did it our way. Yeah. And uh, so they, they got painted up that up that way. And, and then we thought it looked so good, we went, uh, the painter thought, well, it looked good with a red bell. So we, we painted the bells red, and then he painted the horns red. And then we thought, why not white wall tires? <laughs> so we put white wall tires on it. <laughs> so the, the 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 first two got the the, the at least the first two. There were there was more than the, the two got the red horns and bells and the the, the Canadian black uh, battery boxes white and walls. the white wall tires. Yeah, oh, that was famous, and it, and it, it went for a while until we uh, we got away with it for probably a year or two. You, did 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 you catch flack for this eventually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sooner or later, uh, some big shots come into to visit our shop, and they're from little, the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The American big bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, yeah. well, "What's this?" Well, <laughs> oh, it's not done yet. That's primer. <laughs> so <laughs> that all had to be wiped out. So so that so that so-called Canadian paint job lasted for a couple of years. Yeah, on some units. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember I'm all I, I know 7436 7437 had it and I think there was an, another one that somehow I didn't get a picture of but uh, did they do full repaints on any freight cars there or was it just engines and cabooses just engines and cabooses yeah maybe well like uh, did they repaint the derrick yeah the, the the wreck trains yeah like all the, the baggage cars and the uh, flat cars did they go yellow were no, they were they green they were jade green didn't Conrail eventually? And then it turned gray. Yeah, didn't Conrail eventually? Maybe it was later. They went yellow on some of their yeah. We never did maintenance equipment. Yeah. So it was green and then gray. Gray, yeah. And Conrail was pretty specific about keeping their Canadian stuff in Canada. It's probably for tax purposes. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. So you had the same pool of cabooses and engines, and yeah. you had the wreck train and yeah. We, yeah. we had our own all our own Canadian equipment. Yeah. Did you guys maintain the? Uh, road vehicles there as well like pickup trucks and maintenance trucks and things somewhat like that. we had the uh, uh, track department uh, mechanics that they looked after the uh, 
track equipment, but they were you know they were auto mechanics, so they would do. Yeah. But uh, you know, they a lot of stuff also got sent out because a lot of it was leased, and uh, like trucks and stuff. They it would go back to the, the the dealership for service. Do you remember roughly where you were in your career when high rail vehicles came to to the to Queso? That's all I ever saw. Even in the early seventies, yeah, I never saw. Uh, like speeders motor and motor cars. No, no. So it was high rail trucks. Yeah. Because I know like on CP, they started coming a little later. Yeah. Like you could see motor cars in the late 80s. Wow, really? On CP. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I have never seen a motor car on... On the Queso. No. It was all high rail yeah. truck. Well, Larry, listen, thanks again for uh, coming back uh, to discuss uh, your Penn Central days. Uh, but next time, I want to talk to you about uh, your life after uh, you left Penn Central and uh, moved on to something railroad-related but pretty specific. We'll leave you hanging. We won't tell anybody uh, where you went after Conrail. But uh, I think the takeaway for today is that even if you paint your Athern uh, GP7 uh, or 9 locomotive, right from the company barrel someone's still gonna say it's wrong <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah but you get to smile at them and just say i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> thanks again larry you've been listening to the platform podcast this is the station house audio series via detector milepost 5.51 no alarm detector out